This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 20. On today's episode, we are going to talk with best-selling author Mike Michalowicz about putting profit first, killing your ego, and learning from your biggest mistakes. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. Today's episode is brought to you by the Living Well Planner, the very best tool for managing all the pieces of your busy life and for crushing your goals. Pre-order our gorgeous new floral edition by August 31st to take advantage of our lowest price of the entire year. Plus, get two free amazing gifts with your purchase. You can get all the details at livingwellplanner.com slash doitscared. Once again, order by August 31st and get all the details at livingwellplanner.com slash do it scared. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five soon to be six books. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to best-selling author, business owner, and serial entrepreneur Mike Michalowicz about all kinds of good stuff, including turning your biggest mistakes into your biggest lessons, why you need to put profit first, and even what toothpaste has to do with managing your finances and your time. Mike has so many good stories to share. And he is also completely transparent about all the ways in which he's totally messed up, which in my mind makes him even more credible. But of course, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. It's about taking the steps that will help us move past our fear and about sometimes making huge mistakes so that we can create a life we love. Because in the end, courage doesn't mean that we are never afraid. Instead, courage is being scared, but being willing to take action anyway, despite our fear. It is putting one foot in front of the other, even when we're not quite sure where the path will lead. Okay, so just a couple more quick things before we dive into today's episode. First, you can download our Do It Scared Manifesto to remind yourself to start living your own life of courage right now. You can get it by texting Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222, or by visiting our show notes at doitscared.com slash episode 20. Once again, either text Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222, or visit our show notes page at doitscared.com slash episode 20. Also, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. And while you are there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. And now, without further ado, I am so, so excited to introduce you to our guest today, author, entrepreneur, amazing dad, and all-around nice guy, Mike Michalowicz. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to have you on the show. Oh, it is my joy to be here, Ruth. So thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. 
So I am a huge fan of your book, Profit First, and it has literally been a game changer in our business as we've started to implement it. And we still have ways to go, but we're getting there. And I just actually loved listening to the audio version of your book because (laughs) (laughs) it felt like I was listening to a friend talk. So I would highly, highly recommend the audio version but your story is so good. And I was, I remember thinking like, I can't believe I'm reading this book. It's going to be so boring to yeah. listen to because it's called Profit First. And I hate all things money related, even though I have a blog called Living While Spending Less. So go figure. <laughs> but yeah. as soon as I, I was, re- I remember I was running. And as soon as I started listening, I was like, wow, this is so good because your story just drew me in. Your story is amazing. And I loved how raw and vulnerable you were about mistakes that you've made and just like things that have gone wrong. So can you just start by sort of giving us a broad overview, introduce yourself, let us know who you are, where you came from and what makes you tick. Yeah. So, um, and I'll, I'll put my story into it. Um, I, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, ever since college, right? So I never, I've never worked for a business except for once in my life when I uh, sold a company. And, uh, I remember seeing this movie, uh, it was called wall street back in the, 80s uh, and I remember this, this the main character Gordon Gecko <laughs> the antagonist of the of the show and the movie and he has this famous saying greed is good I was like that's right greed is mm-hmm. good like I want to be the the rich fu guy um and <laughs> thought that the way to do it was you know build companies and sell them and that's what I would do and just had this massive ego associated with it didn't realize it but did and had the good fortune of selling my companies. Now, one little caveat, uh, I built these businesses. They're both in tech space. None of them were profitable as mm-hmm. I was building them, but I was able to mm. just on cash flow get by. I was, I was selling as fast as I could and I couldn't pay my bills. So I tried to sell some more, pay some bills and mm. almost like a, it was not a Ponzi scheme, but it, it, the way I was managing money, it was taking from clients as fast as I could just to cover this, this monster of, uh, of expenses mm-hmm. I had behind me. Because that's the way that it's done, right? Like, that's the way it's that's, done. That's the way, yeah, that's what I thought it was it's done. done. And mm-hmm. I made money selling the businesses. And it wasn't it wasn't like F you money. It was F me money. Like, you know, it was, <laughs> it was good. Um, but, you know, it, it was good money, but it, it wasn't life-changing uh, on the first business. The second one was uh, sold mm-hmm. my company to a Fortune 500. And my mm-hmm. ego just went out of control. I was like, this is it. You know, mm-hmm. all I got to do is build companies. And, and it, you know, all matters is I sell them to someone that's going to spend big money. And I, I started blowing money on stupid trophies, the big house, the, the cars. I remember we went on sabbatical, my wife and my children. I took them to Hawaii. We rented a mm-hmm. house on a private island out there. I just found out Sigourney Weaver is now a neighbor for the house we rented. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's not where the volcano is, is it? No, no. It's an island <laughs> called Lanai, which is uh, it's, okay. a, it's a population of like 2,000. It's owned by uh, the founder of Oracle. Just you know, mm-hmm. to, But whatever. Oh, wow. So you were living large. You living large, and just <laughs> thought I knew business, and mm. started to spend money faster than I was making it, uh, like which I, I'd because always been. But now it's catching up with me, and I started to say, "Well, I'm just going to replicate this over and over again. I'm going to start more businesses." Mm-hmm. I started ten companies as an angel investor. I was the oh, wow. worst angel investor ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I, Ruth, I call myself the angel of death. Like I was <laughs> that bad. And, oh, that's uh, not good. <laughs> it, took, it took me two years and I blew all my money, like everything. Oh. And I share this in the book. Uh, I, I read it out loud and it, um, I, it's a tough story to tell, but the, the reality is I, I destroyed my family financially. Mm. Um, I had to 
came home to my wife and my three children uh, on, I'll never forget, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I had a, got a call from my accountant that morning and he said, Mike, you got to declare bankruptcy, uh, which is a small caveat. I never did. My mm-hmm. ego was, I, I, I got myself into this. I have to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. But I lost my house, my possessions, lost everything. I was lucky not to lose my family. Wow. Um, kudos to them for standing up for me. And as I'm telling my family this, I'm in front of my children at dinner crying, telling them we're mm-hmm. about to lose everything. My little daughter, she was nine years old at the time, ran into her bedroom. Uh, I thought she was running away to, uh, from me, but she actually ran to her bedroom mm-hmm. to get her piggy bank. And she mm-hmm. ran back to me and said, Daddy, I, with these big eyes, I will support our family. Oh, and, um, bless her heart. Yeah, that was, it's, uh, it's embarrassing. And um, it's, I was angry at myself. I was proud of her. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it became the seed for, first, a couple of things happened. First of all, I pray to God my ego was ripped out of my soul that day. I mm. intend for it never to return. Uh, I hope I'm de-dickified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a dick and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed and embarrassed about it. And, and I, I hope mm-hmm. I intend never to be there again. It also set me on a, a life's mission. It gave me clarity that I, I got to first fix me, but mm-hmm. also maybe other people struggle with with money and profit and growing a business. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. I didn't declare, it wasn't like that. I woke up the next morning and said, oh, I figured out all life solutions and I'm, my life's purpose is clear. It, it became the event that triggered it. I, I did go through depression uh, for two years. Uh, it was called functional mm-hmm. depression. I became a drinker. Uh, I don't really drink much at all, but you know, I, I struggled for a period of time. So two years after that, you went through depression. Yeah, for, yeah the day that happened, I went into a depression uh. very quickly for two years. And, but I'm now grateful for that period of my life. As dark as it was, it was, it was necessary for me to get clarity on what I need to do. And that triggered, Mm. you know, I strategically positioned my books for marketing purposes behind me, but (laughs) but, uh, I I decided to become an author. Mm -hmm. Every book I've written is to fix all my misunderstandings about business, to improve myself. But also mm-hmm. I realized I'm not alone on a lot of this stuff and, and I mm-hmm. hope this serves many other people. So that's what mm-hmm. got me to what I do today. So good. So let's talk about that book and um, Profit First, which is how, which is kind of the result out of, out of that. Yeah. And that's I, one of the things I loved most about Profit First is it's just so simple. Like it's so straightforward. Mm. Not that it's, not that it's always simple to do all this stuff, but it's not complicated. And I think for a lot of business owners um, and just people in general, um, myself included, the financial side of starting a business or running a business can feel super overwhelming, very intimidating and very, very scary. But you break it down in this very concrete way that makes it not feel scary. And so can you just give us like a three minute overview of how it works and explain why it can be such a game changer for business and what makes it, what sets it apart? Yeah. Too? So the, the foundational lesson is, is very hard for people, entrepreneurs, anyone to change our existing behavior. And when it comes mm-hmm. to accounting, uh, the traditional approach that accounting teaches, and I'm not saying they're wrong here in regards to their intent, it just doesn't work with natural behavior is you know, my, my account said, Mike, you got to read your income statement, which I can kind of understand. I really don't understand at a technical level, but I know, you know, money comes in, <laughs> money goes out, and there's money left over, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more to it. 
I, mm-hmm. He said, read your cash flow statement, which quite frankly, I have no idea how to read a cash flow statement. Uh, read your balance mm-hmm. sheet and then tie those in together. Uh, now I'm clueless. You know, mm-hmm. what's your KPIs? What's your budget? What's the operating cash ratio? What's your inventory turn? I'm like, I, what, what I, head explodes. my head explodes. So yes. what I did is I noticed my behavior was I would log into my bank account and I, I followed a real simple entrepreneurial rule. If I have money, I can spend it. If I don't have money, <laughs> I can panic. <laughs> and so that, that was my system. And then the realization came to me is that I am not a logical kind of Spock type person. I'm more like the Captain Kirk of, of, uh, of the business world. And I think most entrepreneurs are. We, we, we're very convincing. We're very emotional and passionate. But we, we don't go mm-hmm. through the Spockian logic. So all that stuff mm-hmm. that my accountant was teaching me is, is what Spock does. Mm-hmm. I need to be much more instinctual. Therefore, so for those of us who don't understand Star Trek, oh, no. um, well, who are you? Who the hell are you if you don't understand? Star Trek? I'm a girl. Yeah, but <laughs> give us a what's a different what's a different reference point that well, would, it's that a, would a make simple count. If you're not a numbers based geek and and know uh, variables and metrics and and fractions mm. associations, if you just look at your bank account, um, you have to understand that's your existing behavior. We need to capture behavior, mm-hmm. so. I realized I was logging into my bank account. I need a system that works with my natural behavior. This is the key lesson. Don't try Mm. to change who you are. Don't go back to school for accounting. If you hate accounting, you're not going to miraculously fall in love with it and get great at it. Mm -hmm. If you currently log into your bank account to see how much money you have, we need a system that allows us to keep behaving the way we behave. Don't change who Mm -hmm. you are. Change the system around you. Profit Mm. First is a system that I set up for myself originally to allow me to log into my bank accounts and actually ensure profitability, make sure my taxes were mm. taken care of, make sure I was paying myself, make sure my business mm. had the right amount of money to run itself. That's what the system is. So, it, and it's, and it is, it's just that simple. You create these different bank accounts yeah. and then, and you can just log in and see exactly what you have. And the idea is that you set your profit aside first rather than last because traditional accounting says, your profit is your income minus your expenses equals your profit. And you say, no, no, profit first, and then figure out how much you have left to spend. Yeah. And that's the behavioral foundation for profit first and also the big behavioral problem with traditional accounting. Mm -hmm. So the the formula you just shared, sales minus expense equals profit, is the formula I suspect everyone listening in and watching this know is that you know, profits, the bottom line It's actually the terms we use. It's the year end. This is what we've been trained, but there's a behavioral issue with that. When we treat profit last, uh, we're also subconsciously telling us it's insignificant. Think mm-hmm. about if you had a health scare, you don't, you know, if you have a health scare, you don't come out of the doctor's office and say, you know what, starting today, I'm going to finally put my health last. Mm-hmm. You would never, you say starting today, I'm going to finally put my health first. Mm-hmm. It's human nature. What's priority comes first and what can get delayed comes last. Mm. When we're told profit comes last, most of us don't even look at it. Maybe once a month we look at our QuickBooks and say, oh, I wasn't profitable. More often it's once a year at the end of tax season. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, nothing this year. Maybe next year. We literally mm. wait for a full year. In Profit First, so true. I teach a simple flip of the formula. The, the beautiful thing is mathematically nothing changes. It's called a variable swap. But behaviorally, it's a massive impact. It's mm-hmm. now sales minus profit equals expenses. And how this mm-hmm. works is every time we have a sale, we take a predetermined percentage, 5, 10, 1, 3, what, you pick the percentage, but we take a predetermined mm-hmm. percentage, we remove it from our business, we hide it from ourselves, mm-hmm. and we run our business off the remainder. Now we're saying 
our health comes first, our profit comes mm -hmm. first. What happens in practice when you take that money first, the remainder is left to run your business. And now you see what you really have left to run your business. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to work with less. And you kind of, you, I love the il illustration that you use in the book about um, toothpaste. <laughs> and it's kind of like when you use toothpaste and, you know, at the beginning, when you've got a new tube of toothpaste, you use like a huge strip sure. of it and it falls in the sink and you don't really care because you've got so much of it. But when you're down and I'm down to the last, and I was thinking of you this morning as I was brushing my teeth, cause I'm down to the last little bit in my tube and I'm squeezing <laughs> it out and trying to get garnered. the last little drop out of there. And I'm so stingy with it. And that's exactly how we are with our money. But you know, the funny thing is, is that it's, it's like that with, it's not just profit. I mean, just, you were saying health, but I also talk about goal setting a lot here on the podcast and um, and productivity. And it's about when you're, whatever you put first in your life, whether you're spending time or money, that's where, that's where your attention and focus are going to be. And, and you will figure out what to do with the time that you have left. Yeah. Well, you get, what comes first get, is more likely to get done, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, there's two types of exercise regimens. You can decide to exercise first thing in the morning or last thing of the day. Mm -hmm. If you pick first thing in the morning, the likelihood of success is a multiple. I think it's like 10 times more likely you'll oh, be wow. successful because it comes first. Mm -hmm. the, the day always fills up. If, if we take our profit first, the likelihood of becoming profitable is a 10 times multiple because that money's been extracted. If profit's the last consideration, our expenses will expand to mm -hmm. eradicate to any it. potential for expenses. The, so true. The thing you shared with toothpaste, is it's called Parkinson's Law. And mm. Parkinson was a theorist from the 1950s studying human behavior. And in his study, he discovered that as a resource expands in its availability, the more we consume, the less of it, uh, the less we consume and the more innovative in its consumption. And the resource, <laughs> in, in toothpaste, right? Full tube of toothpaste. So true. With these big beads on. Yep. I had an empty one this morning. Actually, yesterday morning, I was on a trip. I just returned home. And I, you, I'm in my <laughs> hotel room, like squeezing the hell out of this thing. Yep. And sure enough, this empty tube of toothpaste lasted me for the entire trip, mm -hmm. which was nine days. Oh, wow. Because uh, yeah. you make it it's last. unbelievable how, you know, and I'm squeezing. I, I actually found a new technique. Put a hand, uh, the the air blower, <laughs> the hand, the hair blower from the hotel room, heat it up and it starts melting a little bit. It actually. There you go, folks. Toothpaste tips. <laughs> you know, is the innovation is extraordinary. Every time so we get some true. extra cash in the business, it seems to vanish just as quickly, magically. Mm -hmm. It's not magic. It's Parkinson's law. The greater mm -hmm. the supply, the subconscious response is to use that supply. More toothpaste, yep. we use more. More money, we use more. So what we're doing now is we're leveraging Parkinson's law to our advantage. We intentionally mm. extract that valuable toothpaste, cash, put into our profit account. Now our business has mm -hmm. less and innovation kicks in. We keep on squeezing mm -hmm. value out of our business on mm -hmm. automatic. And you can do this. You could do this with your own like profits at home too. It doesn't just have to be business. It could be. Oh, I hope you do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing. I mean, I'm as you're saying this, I'm thinking of my kids in the morning too. Like if they have got 20 minutes to get ready, they get ready. If they've got an hour and a half to get ready, it, it takes, takes them an hour, an hour and, and a half. half and they're ready at the exact same time. They are never ready one second earlier. <laughs> well, congratulations. Morning. You are raising human beings. <laughs> yes. They are human beings. That is the human drive. It's funny. I, I ran a survey of people saying, how many people are good at cramming for tests? Uh, and I, I, first of all, I asked people, if you, if you answer that you are good for cramming for tests, do you think you're the exception? Most people said, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an oddball. Uh, I study well when I have less than a day left mm. for that big exam. If I was given two months of preparation, no good. If I'm given, you know, w the night before, that's when I start getting my nose into the book. Mm. And the response was over 80% of people said, I'm a crammer mm. and I excel as a crammer. Mm. 
That's Parkinson's mm -hmm. law. The less of the resource, in this case, time we have, the more we value the time mm -hmm. and the more we extract out of the time we have. That's why most people are good at cramming for tests. That's why most people are successful being profitable if they take their profit first. Take the profit first. It's so it's so simple, and yet it's so counter to what all the conventional accounting wisdom is out there. Isn't that fun? And that's the challenge that many people face. It's mm -hmm. like like when when if someone watching this decides to do it, and I hope you try it. Uh, I expect you to be skeptical too because it is new. But the people around you will be skeptical and say, well, hold on, mm -hmm. no one does this. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember when I did this for myself 10 years ago is when I started, mm -hmm. my accountant said, well, you're doing what? And he said, no one does that, Mike, don't do it. And I said, well, hold on, you're saying no one does this. Tell me how many of your clients are profitable. And I wasn't trying to be a schmuck here. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to really understand. He said, well, he goes, actually, almost very few people are profitable. You'd be shocked. I said, mm. well, I'm not profitable either. Why should I keep doing what's not working for anybody? Right. I'm going to go in a new direction. Just trust me on this. And he said, okay, no skin off my teeth. <laughs> I am now his, within years, I am his most profitable client, hands down. That's amazing. And he's begging his other clients to do it. Mm. So you, you will get resistance when you try it from your own mind and then other people that have never tried it before. You know, whatever got you here, if it's not working for you, you got to try mm -hmm. something new to get to there. So true. What do they say? The definition of insanity is doing yeah. the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So exactly. you might as well try it. Try yeah. something different. So one of the things um, that I talk about a lot is turning your breakdowns into breakthroughs. And I really, I don't know if you believe this to be true, but um, I would guess you do. But some of, for me, the biggest mistakes in my life are also the source of the biggest lessons and yeah. always the thing that like puts me to the next level. So what are some of the hardest lessons that you've had in your business aside from losing everything? And that's a pretty big one. Oh. Um, has there been anything else? Um, and how, tell us what happened and how that's taught, what that has taught you. Yeah. So they pop right to me, the, the next biggest lesson, the, the biggest was losing all my money. Um, the next one that comes into mind was I remember the day it was this, because of not understanding finances. I had to lay off uh, half my employees. I had a thirty-five. Oh. No, it wasn't thirty-five. It was about thirty employees at the time. Thirty employee company, which is nothing huge, but for me that was the biggest company I had up to that point. Mm -hmm. I had to let go of fifteen people all in the same mm -hmm. day. The reason was I had a forensics business, and what I was uh, doing was like getting big projects in. We actually my company facilitated part of the Enron trial. Like that was the type of stuff we were mm. doing. Uh, and these projects were like two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar projects, but I had to land one every single month to sustain the business. Mm. And I remember two consecutive months of not making it, and I was out of money, and I had a massive uh. payroll. And I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta close the business or lay people off." Mm. And I, for a full day, for eight hours by myself, had, it was in a conference room, had person after person coming in saying, mm. uh, "You're about to be like, I have to let you go, uh, not because you did anything wrong, but because I don't understand money. I am an idiot." Um, mm. I'm embarrassed and ashamed of my own self and my lack of understanding. Is that how, what you really said? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm freaking crying through it and they're crying because oh. they're losing a job they depended on. Oh man. Um, the only saving grace for me is, uh, many of those people I considered friends and I follow mm. them to today. Um, a couple of those people I've free employed in other businesses and they've had the, the faith in me to come back to me, mm. even though I wasn't able to sustain them in the beginning. Um, Many of those people landed better jobs, better careers with better companies. Uh, mm. And I'm, I'm thrilled for the positive outcome, but going through that was so painful for them and for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm ashamed. And so, the, yeah, so that, that was terrifying and horrible. Uh, but two lessons came from it. 
one option I had was to go into denial and actually have everyone lose their company. I could have had 30 people out of business, out of jobs within the next mm. week or two. I did the right thing in the, in the most difficult circumstances that I put myself in. I think that was mm. the lesson. I made a grand mistake. I could have made it mm-hmm. even worse if I didn't take action. So, so to, and taking action was having to lay off 15 people so that you could save, save, save 15 people 15. more and fix my business. Mm, um, yeah. The next thing is, uh, you know, I, I've learned from that and I do it today in my business. Now we have eight, eight of us here. We're a small business. Um, I, I believe the right size company can find us, you know, that, that Gordon Gecko mindset of mine in the olden days, I was like, you know, the more, the bigger, the better. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, the, the right size business will find me. Uh, mm-hmm. I am comfortable with the size of my business now with the number of people I have. The revenue, we're very healthy. The profit is very healthy, but that I'm looking to grow. And I, I actually know we will do it with our current size business. But mm. to me, this is my family. Uh, these people here, uh, I believe, are, are in a position of absolute security. I've secured everyone's salary here, my partner and I, for a year. Uh, if we mm. didn't have a dollar come in, everyone's getting paid for a full year. Mm. Um, and that's the position I want to be in. I, mm-hmm. I will never again put myself in that position where I'm jeopardizing other people, that they're mm. at the whim of my foolishness. Mm. Um, and so that's been a very positive outcome, too. Yeah, I bet. So how do you know, how do you know that you're at the right, like if, how do you know you're at the right place with the number of employees? Like what, what are your tells for that? Um, that's a good question. I, I, the tell for it is that I, maybe this is the operation of the business. I don't get any questions here. Like Mike, what should I do today? Like, like Mm -hmm. I, I just returned, I was away for nine days in Ireland. Uh, I didn't check in with the business. I didn't do anything. I came back. We've actually grown, um, clients are happy. Uh, we had one big problem that happened that was fixed, uh, and mm. I didn't even know about it. Um, hmm. Those are signs that things are working. The environment, though, it just feels comfortable for me. It, mm-hmm. It's a very qualitative measurement, I guess. But I just come here, and I love being here. Uh, I know everyone's personal stories. Uh, I, I consider them friends. Uh, I want to spend mm-hmm. time with them. You know, I. Mm-hmm. I do want to go to, you know, someone's party at their house or their graduation or after hours, maybe we all go out for drinks or go bowling or something goofy. Mm-hmm. Not because that's a cheesy business objective of team enhancement. It's something, <laughs> it's something that we want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause you just like each other. Yeah. 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 That's um, a good, that's a good team. Just, yeah. And, and, and maybe it becomes 11 or 12. There's just a certain point. When I had 30 employees, I didn't really know each employee intimately. Mm. Uh, we, we had, we started putting a management level in, like you can't manage 30 people. Like, you know, managing mm-hmm. five or six people is enough. Like it got to a certain point where I had a management team that had to report back on what other people were doing and just whatever. And, and my ego was tied into that before. Like, like, mm. like if you ask me, how's your, how big is your business? I say, well, I got 30 employees. We're doing 7 million. Like that mm. was important to me. It's like, how, how big, how's your business, Mike? I'm like, it's, it's really financially healthy. I, I am living my life's passion. I love it. And I love the people I work with. Mm. Like those are the answers I want to give. And those are the answers I do give now. So that's why I know it's right it's for now. Right place. Hmm. That's, I'm just, there's so many, pl- there's so many places I want to go <laughs> from there and so many questions I want to ask you, but, um, I'm going to bring it back, going to bring it back yeah. to do it scared a little bit more. So can you talk a little bit about, 
the role of fear in your life and your business, what is something that has really scared you either in your personal life or in your business life? And how did you move past that fear? Great question. Uh, and I believe fear is ultimately a wonderful asset for a period mm -hmm. of time because it, to mm -hmm. me, it's that adrenaline shot. Uh, mm. But if you're on pure adrenaline, that's dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. But adrenaline gets you up and going. Mm -hmm. the, the most fearful I've been for a sustained period was the start of my first company mm. because I went in with no understanding or appreciation of what entrepreneurship was like. I was mm. out of college. I said, you know what? I'm going to start a business. Uh, I got married very young. I had my first son very young. Uh, mm -hmm. My wife and I now have three children. And um, I came home to my wife and said, hey, I'm starting a company. And I think we're going to be millionaires. I'm going to put you in diamonds, baby. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the Gordon Gecko of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the first day, like, uh, why is no one calling me? I opened the mm -hmm. new business, you know. And uh, uh, next day, why is no one calling me? And oh, my God, uh, I have no money. Mm -hmm. And the, the panic ensued. The power of fear at that stage was it becomes a motivator. It's like, mm -hmm. I need money. It's a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. I literally walked door to door, knocking on doors, getting kicked out, rushed out of buildings, trying to sell my computer services. Just telling mm -hmm. people, hey, um, I'm a new guy in business. Would, could I help you or could I offer you my services or explain what I do? And people like, can get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, and it, it was terrifying. And, and I would probably take that rejection and never knock on another door. But I was so afraid of mm. failing. Mm. Uh, I had to knock on the next door. Um, I was the worst salesperson ever. I think out of the hundred <laughs> doors I knocked on, one person even talked to me, but I had to. I think to. that's pretty normal, isn't it? I don't know. Sales? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's I, a lot I, of rejection in sales. A lot of rejection. Hard. I mm -hmm. remember uh, another thing. Like I finally ended this one client of mine and they offered, we had to do work during the night because it was a hedge fund. They, they traded stock during the day and their computer system mm -hmm. couldn't be touched. So you, we'd usually start work after trading hours and after they winded things down like seven or eight o'clock at night. And we'd have to do computer installs and stuff and get done by four o'clock in the morning. So mm. eight till four, but usually we're done by one or two in the morning. So the client said, we'll give you a stipend of, I think it was $150 to pay for a hotel because we don't want you driving home for two hours and crashing. Mm -hmm. When you're done at two o'clock in the morning, go to the hotel so you can get some rest and be safe, mm -hmm. which I'm so grateful for. But $150, that would cover groceries for a week. So mm -hmm. that was going into my pocket. <laughs> and what I did, <laughs> true story, is I'd be at Appaloosa, that was the hedge fund. Uh, I would at two o'clock in the morning when I was done, go to the alarm panel. They told me I set the alarm, set the alarm, but instead of leaving the building, I would run back into the conference room and hide <laughs> under the conference room table like this. And I would sleep. I would sleep under the conference room table mm -hmm. until five or six in the morning. My mm -hmm. little, uh, I had my, my little pager back then. You could have set an alarm on it. It would buzz my thing. I would wake up and that's when the next run would happen. I would run to the alarm panel because I was inside the building, it would start triggering mm -hmm. it. I had 30 seconds, disarm it, walk out, <laughs> rearm it, and leave. Oh but, my God. But now instead of having to get to a hotel room, I'd be driving home and tell my wife, hey, here's $150 for it. Mm. So fear, a long winded answer is fear is a powerful motivator to do what mm -hmm. makes you survive and get out there. Mm -hmm. It made my business successful. Mm -hmm. I also found there is a certain point where fear becomes detrimental. And if mm. I realized I was sustaining this, that the stress and the, the sense of compression in my chest every day, like oh, I need to survive, was mm. actually now becoming uh, such stressful. It was, it was compromising my health and my, my mm. physical well-being. 
at a certain point, stress had to become confidence. And for me, confidence was in making some hires, getting other people to do the work, mm. um, slowly, but but consistently getting work off my plate, not working those crazy hours, not working mm. through the night and doing whatever it takes for survival mode, giving to mm. others. And then ultimately I learned really good. fear goes to confidence and then confidence ultimately goes to aspiration. And mm. I, I very much feel I'm in the aspirational stage of my life. And mm -hmm. I, I may revert back when I face new <laughs> challenges, mm -hmm. but in the aspirational stage, I am out here to serve others, to impact the world positively, to right my own wrongs, so to speak, the, mm. and, and serve others that way. And, mm. and that's the mode I'm in now. And that's the most freeing, freeing mode. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's a great model, actually. I wish I had a diagram that I could draw that out. <laughs> Maybe I will. We'll add that to the show notes. You can check that out. There you go. <laughs> but I really like that. So tell me what you're working on right now, because you're working on a new project, right? Yeah, which and I, I think I showed I you in the pre- love to hear about that. The, the book just came in. So the new, uh, the new book. Yeah, this new book. This is, I don't know if you can see, it says uh, proof, uh, you know, do not distribute it or whatever. Um, this literally came in from Penguin. That's my publisher. It's called Clockwork. Mm -hmm. uh, and the subtitle, which is kind of hard to see in the reflection, says design your business to run itself. Ooh. I uh, kind of talking about diagrams. Um, I found that Maslow's hierarchy of needs for personal uh, well-being mm -hmm. actually translates to some degree to business. In personal, Maslow says like we need um, you know food and water is the basic need, and if we don't have food and water, we will very quickly do whatever it takes to get food and water mm -hmm. for survival. Once you have mm -hmm. that, we need shelter. Once we have shelter, we need uh, you know next level whatever that is. And it goes all the way up to uh, self actualization. Mm -hmm. I believe in business. The the food and water level is 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 profit. Ultimately, mm -hmm. if we don't have money coming into our pocket, the business is starving and not sustainable, and it starts to mm -hmm. affect us in a very negative way. We mm -hmm. need to achieve profitability. Um, I, I've written profit first to, to serve that. I believe there's other levels too, but the, the next level up, I believe is the recapture of time. Once mm -hmm. we have our business generating income to support itself and our life, now it's about availing time for us. You know, we are not mm -hmm. on this plant to work our asses off, even though some of us think it's about hustle and grind and so forth. Mm -hmm. That's nice for a period of time to get started. Mm -hmm. But we're here to live life. Like, yes, you know, there's more to it than just work. There's there's, mm -hmm. there's enjoyment. So clockwork is how do we design our business to run itself so we can do the work that we love to do. Work can be joyful, but why don't we do the work we love to do and to mm -hmm. live life to its fullest? So that's what that book's about. Ooh, I love that. That is, and I love that you actually clarify that it's not because here's I'll just fill you in on one of my pet peeves because I hear this a lot that um, entrepreneurs will go and become very successful and after hustling for a long time and then they become speakers and they start talking about how they only work 20 hours a week oh, or right, 10 right. hours a week or whatever and they're like you everybody should only ever work 10 hours a week and so all of these people who are listening to them talk about only working 10 hours a week think well I must be doing something wrong because I'm not working 10 hours a week. And that's not, a, I don't feel like that's like entirely accurate because there is a hustle phase that I think is necessary to entrepreneurship for oh, most people. Yeah. Yeah, there are always those like miracle stories, I guess, that are out there. But every successful entrepreneur I know has, like they might be working less now, but they have hustled for a long time to get to the point where they can then only work 10, 10 or five hours a week. You know, it isn't mm -hmm. this switch. It isn't like mm -hmm. you got to work 90 hours a week, you know, grind it out. Uh, and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and it's like, I'm working 10 hours a week. And all I do is drink margaritas at the beach. <laughs> Neither one's healthy. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, 
first of all, grinding it out. I, I, I used, I used to be like, Oh my God, I'm a workaholic. And if you said you worked 60 hours a week or 70, I'd say, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I work 75 hours a week. I work mm-hmm. 80. I would actually intentionally work more just to show you up. It was an ego driven thing. I mm. remember I was working so hard that, uh, this one particular summer, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, not even eight years ago, I was, uh, arriving to work before the sun rise and leaving work after the sun had set, which means I didn't see light for, I don't know, two, three consecutive weeks because I was mm. arriving at 5 a.m. I was leaving at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and just repeating and repeating and repeating. Mm. And I'm like, I Seven got the hustle. Week. And the office I had had no uh, windows. So I actually Ooh. literally did not see the light. Yikes. And then one day uh, I had this realization that was the wake up moment of my life. Um, it, it was an article and it said, um, do you call yourself a workaholic? I'm like, yeah. I'm a workaholic. And it said, do you know that means you're not productive? And I'm like, what? What? It said, workaholics mean that you will simply just kind of grind and grind away, but because you can't Mm -hmm. find a result fast and by using your brain. Mm. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, Oh, I don't want to be a workaholic. I want to be a productive holic. I want to be able to get results with the least effort. That's what I want to be. And that became the awakening. It's it's about Mm. me you know, leveraging resources, working with colleagues, complimenting each other, not about grinding mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we can't afford those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, you can. And, and and it's also not a throttle. You don't, you know, hire that first full-time employee. You know, my first hire was someone that worked just a few hours a week, but they, they availed mm-hmm. those few hours back to me. And I was able to do mm-hmm. other more impactful things. And I slowly built my way up. But within Within a year now, I had three or four part-timers that were mm-hmm. doing such big things for my business. It availed a huge amount of time. Mm-hmm. I throttled myself there. But today, mm-hmm. I, I don't work 10 hours a week. I, I would be going freaking mad. <laughs> me too. Yeah, my, my wife would want to kill me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 and I, I don't know what I would do. I, I, I would find work to do around the house, but it, mm-hmm. I, I have to do something. I do what I love to do. That That's the mm-hmm. thing. I mm-hmm. work very little doing the stuff I don't like to do occasionally, mm. but very and that's, little. And that is, that's the amazing place to be in. That's the amazing place. So I love to do so, public speaking. I love to write books. That's mm. where 90% of my time is spent. But mm-hmm. I'm doing maybe 40 hours of it, sometimes 30, mm-hmm. sometimes 50. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I'm, I'm enjoying at home and just loving life there. Mm, I love it. So how, what stage would you say or like what point would this be the right book for someone? If there, is it new business owners, established business owners, is anybody who's thinking of starting a business, where's, where's the right fit? For yeah. That, I for mean, it, I think it works for most and I'll tell you why, but, but mm-hmm. I think if, if you have a business that's running, I don't care if it works for a solo entrepreneur or mm-hmm. it works for a business with a thousand or somewhere in between, mm-hmm. um, because what it talks about is how to get to the essence. Basically, how do you look at an individual, yourself, the business owner, mm-hmm. how do you get to the essence of where your impact is? And then how do you start delegating out mm-hmm. the other components effectively? That's mm-hmm. really the core of it. And you can do like it with one that. person or a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should have an established business because mm-hmm. if, if you're just starting out, uh, it is about the grind and you mm-hmm. don't know what works and what doesn't work in your business. Mm-hmm. So I would argue be established, but mm-hmm. you could be doing just uh, $50,000 in revenue or a hundred thousand, or you could be doing millions. Mm-hmm. That, that's not important but be established mm. and that will work for you. If you're a brand new startup, I, I would suggest you start with uh, a different book. Maybe, maybe one profit of mine. First. Maybe yeah, profit, yeah, profit first. Maybe Profit First or Paper <laughs> Entrepreneur. I got a whole group yeah. of books for you, but I would suggest in that case, you should start somewhere else. 
Awesome. Awesome. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received and why? <laughs> Never forget it. Frank Minutola, my business coach, who I actually met with again uh, just last week. And why that's significant is he just has 82nd birthday. He's been retired mm. for 10 years. He coached me 20 years ago when I was first starting mm. out, 25 years ago now. And uh, I remember asking him a question. Uh, I was selling my services. Interestingly, uh, it was uh, we found that we had more female consumers than male consumers in, in uh, the, our technology services, which mm -hmm. was kind of unique. And I said, Frank, I want to be able to sell better to female IT execs and so forth. What should I do? Mm -hmm. And he said this. He goes, I'm going to give you advice, but here's the first thing before I give you advice. Don't listen to a word I'm about to say. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what? He's like, because I'm not a female IT exec. He's like, mm. you see, ask your consumer and observe what their behavior and desire mm. is, and they will reveal to you. If you ask an expert who's not that mm. person, they actually will give you a biased opinion. Mm. So he said, I think you should do this and this, because he goes, but I'm an old guy. I'm not the consumer. <laughs> he goes, you want to ask a female IT exec. Mm. And that was the eye opener. I put a lot of value in the experts. And, mm. and that's one of the dangers of me. That's the mm -hmm. irony. You know, I'm teaching you how to become profitable and do all these things. And I, I'm convinced they work, but maybe it won't work for you. Mm -hmm. You have to test this out and then ask others who are in your community, people mm -hmm. like you who've done it. Has it worked for you? Mm -hmm. Those are ultimately the best people, the, the people who are doing what you want to do. The consumers are consuming from you know the best for what they mm -hmm. want to buy. And, and if you want to improve that. your business, find others who are like you, who've improved your business and do what they do. Figure it out. Ask questions. Yeah, don't but, just but take from your community, value. It's got to yeah. be your community. Your the community. outside gurus, guys like me, we're, listen, we're, I'm trying to contribute, mm -hmm. trying to help. But I realize I have my own biases that I'm even blind to. But it's natural to want to find the answer and to think that somebody in a position of authority is the one that's going to have the answers. And I think that totally. that happens all the time. You go and you seek out this expert advice or this expert opinion, or you listen to an expert on a podcast or whatever it is, and you think, oh, well, my gosh, they they know. Clearly, because they they're an expert. But fine, gotta, I was doing an interview. Uh, I was doing an interview a few weeks ago, and it was, it was one guy, very flattering. He said, Mike, I got to tell you, I just I just look up to you. And I said, mm. now I'm not trying to be a schmuck here, but please never say you look up to me. Um, <laughs> and don't, and, and I said, don't say that about anyone on this planet. I think mm. we all should look over to a person, never up to mm -hmm. a person. Up means that I have something that's superior or better than you. That's not mm. true. What I have is something that's different than you. And what you mm -hmm. have is something different from me. Mm -hmm. We can learn from each other. Therefore, mm -hmm. we need to look over to each other. You mm, see, when that. we look up, we have to climb. When we look over, we simply need to join and participate. Mm -hmm. So, I encourage people, anyone listening to this, if I have some stuff, I hope you can look over and use it for yourself. And mm -hmm. I hope you give me the opportunity to look over to what you're doing too, so mm -hmm. I can learn from so you. So good. So good. So how do you uh, take practice self-care in your life and in your business? Is there anything that you do? I know that you've gotten rid of this massive ego that you used to have, but what do you do to protect your confidence? Yeah. So hopefully uh, I've permanently uh, gotten rid of the ego, but, but I got to keep, keep it in check. Uh, and it, mm -hmm. and it, it happens uh, every so often because the ego pops up. Like, I'm like, oh my God, people mm -hmm. really like Profit First. Like, oh my God, mm -hmm. it's such a, I'm really having a change and impact in the world. And then someone will come and say, this is the worst book ever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. and I do need. It's hard not to have that happen when you're putting yourself out there. Yeah, it, it is. is hard. It is hard. Um, so it's, it's, 
I don't like to have criticism, but it actually is very healthy to realize mm-hmm. that no, the whole world doesn't, you know, to, to start, when you start believing your own publicity, when I start believing my own publicity, that's when I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still get caught up on that. You know, I, I do a couple of things that do help. I would, I'm a big believer in exercise. I have mm-hmm. an accountability group. I exercise five times a week. I believe oh, wow. health is a foundation for everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do, uh, it's not really prayer. It's not really meditation. It's, uh, it may may a law of attraction kind of thinking, um, mm. but I now it's a new ritual I've started. I always done it um, in the evening. Now I do it in the morning. Uh, I'll wake up. Uh, I go out on our porch, even when it's freezing cold because I'm in New Jersey. We get some bitter mm. winters, and I have in uh, this Buddha bowl I bought in India that you hit it. And you start ringing, you move this stick around and it starts ringing mm. and it literally sends out vibrations. You hear it goes ringing mm. and I put out my thoughts for wellness of our society, for uh, success of entrepreneurs, for my mm. family's health, for my own health. I, mm. I put those thoughts out there and I can really visualize these vibrations going out throughout the world and the universe. And mm. who, you know, who knows if I'm just doing some gimmicky thing or, or if it's real. <laughs> but for me, it sets the mood right for the day. So that's a new mm-hmm. ritual I started. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing is I do have an accountability group every Friday, mm-hmm. 8.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Mm-hmm. I'm on the phone with 10 people. Uh, some so important. wildly successful entrepreneurs that actually, if I mention their names, people know it and I'm not going to drop names and other people <laughs> you've never heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, one of, I'm most likely one of those people. Um, <laughs> and we get on the phone together and we go over rapid fire saying, what what were you what are you accountable to? Uh, did you do it? And why or why not? And we're mm. we're not judging each other like that you didn't do something, but we're observing. And what you start mm. to notice is trends. Like oh my gosh, you, you seem to have this regular excuse why you don't do something. This is mm. something you need to address. It's just keen observation of uh, mm. accountability, and that's it's been tremendous. so good to have those kind of people in your life. Yeah, that because not everybody's willing to to call you out. I guess I love I love the friends that I have that will. Yeah. Tell me I'm being stupid. <laughs> yeah. And so what, yeah, yeah, you have to get really, uh, integral with each other. And what we do is we get together once a quarter, we fly into a, a common mm-hmm. meeting area, usually Chicago or mm-hmm. uh, Houston, because that's the easiest ways to fly in. And we get mm-hmm. together and we just share stories and experiences mm-hmm. and we just reveal our ugliness. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing is when you share, you know, they, they all know my financial woes that I went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know, you know, it, it humanizes us and it bonds us mm-hmm. and we're here to help each other. The other interesting mm-hmm. thing is none of them are my friends. I mean, we don't, we're not mm-hmm. in the same social circles and therefore mm-hmm. there's no awkward competition. There's no, I don't need to hold mm-hmm. stuff back because my mm-hmm. friends might find out. They don't know mm-hmm. who my friends are and they don't, mm-hmm. I don't know who their friends are. Mm-hmm. Therefore they are actually better than friends. They're, they're truly mm-hmm. my confidants. Mm, so good. So let's see. Last question. Is there anything else that you want us to know? And then where can we find you all over? Yeah. So the last thing I want you to know is uh, if you struggle as an entrepreneur, if you have fear, all that stuff, there is a term for you. It's called you're a human being. And mm. uh, that's that's cool. That. that means you're totally normal and you're on the path oh, to, so to, getting, to being successful. Mm. Uh, the key, I think, is to embrace fear is my final takeaway. Mm. I, I shared this story. Um, don't be afraid of fear. Let let it guide you. Let it give you that extra mm-hmm. energy. And over time, realize that fear will serve its purpose, but it's not there. It's not mm-hmm. meant to be there permanently. So over over time, we want to build out of it. Thank it for its services, but it doesn't need to stick around forever. Mm, I love that. And then I more about that. me. Um, 
my website has everything, all my books, you can get free chapters and all that stuff. I actually used to write for the Wall Street Journal. So if you subscribe mm. to my site, all my articles, it's in the Wall Street Journal archive. So you can, you can if you're a subscriber, you can get it awesome. there. If you're not, you can get it for free from my site. It's MikeMcCallowitz.com. But here's a deal. My name's hard <laughs> to pronounce uh, it's, and it's impossible to spell. So that's, that's a shame mm -hmm. on me. Uh, I made a shortcut though. My nickname mm. in high school was Mike Motorbike. Here's mm. the here's the ultimate irony. I never have driven a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> but MikeMotorbike.com. If you go to MikeMotorbike.com, um, easy to spell, MikeMotorbike.com. I'll bring it to my website. Uh, you can get everything you want there. And hopefully you awesome. find it to be the most unique website you've ever been to also. It's definitely different than most. Awesome. Yes. Yes. And you have, and then you have your books, Profit First. What are your, some of your, and then the new one is? Clockwork, Clockwork. Uh, which is right here. That's coming out yep. not until the summer uh, of 2018. And then uh, my other ones are Surge, the Pumpkin Plan, Profit, uh, the Toy Paper Entrepreneur also. Yes. And I highly recommend the audible version of at least profit first. Did you read all of your books? I read, I read all my books and well uh, then yeah, they're yeah. highly, highly entertaining. He ad libs, um, quite I a ad lib bit. a lot. <laughs> I ad lib a lot and clockwork. I'm about to start recording in about three weeks and awesome. uh, get ready. I got some really I cool. I can't wait for that one. I, really I got an amazing story, one. which I didn't include in the book. It's I'm going to open with it. So, Oh, so good. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being thank here you. today. It was so good to talk to you. So much great stuff. And, uh, I wish you the best. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. Okay. So don't forget that if you would like to grab our Do It Scared Manifesto or get the show notes for this episode, you can find it all at doitscared.com slash episode 20 or by texting Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222 right now. Once again, you can get those show notes at doitscared.com slash episode 20 or get our manifesto by texting Do It Scared to 44222. 222 on your phone right now. And before we go, I just want to say once again that I absolutely love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the Do It Scared podcast, please feel free to reach out via email by filling out our form at doitscared.com. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared podcast. Thank you again so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, please once again, be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on any other podcast platform, and then share a screenshot of your review at doitscared.com for a chance to win one of our Do It Scared t-shirts or mugs. Also, be sure to subscribe via iTunes to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to join me next week for an episode so powerful, you might just want to share it with every single parent you know. I'll be talking about daring to raise kids who can fend for themselves in a world that says we're supposed to do everything for them. And I'll also be sharing three fundamental core beliefs that have been complete game changers in my family, and that might be for you as well. It's a topic that I am so, so passionate about. I'm not even joking when I tell you that it might be my favorite episode yet. And I seriously cannot wait to share it with you. So I will catch you then.